Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today that God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth, that you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. You can't want what is best for them and resent it when it happens to them. I prayed for you and you got it. That's great. I'm happy for you. Um, can you see how love and jealousy or love and envy are at odds with one another? You know, there can be those things. If you love someone, you want the best for them. Uh, if you are jealous, you are resentful for them having the best. Love is others-centered. Jealousy is selfishness. So true love is not jealous. I'm not jealous over you or your stuff or what you got or your achievements. True love wants what is best for them. I care about that. I love to see you, God blessing you and getting that stuff. It rejoices with them when they get it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I rejoice over God blessing you. When there's times of sadness, we also grieve together at times. Many of us can do that second part of grieving and sympathizing with others, uh, with someone who's hurting, but it may be harder for us to do the first part of that, rejoicing over others. Now, thinking back to years ago, it can be kind of funny to think back, let's just say 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the stuff that you desired, that you coveted for, that you were jealous for 20 years ago, what was it? And you go, oh, brother, I really wanted that so badly. Things ago probably are irrelevant today. It could have been the latest technology or electronics. Look how, look how they've changed so much over the years. The things that I wanted so badly and you go, that was a piece of junk now. You know, it could have been the latest car or boat or sports equipment or clothing, cell phone, or even that position that you never got back then. It may have cost too much back then, or better yet, God had other plans for you. He didn't think that you needed it. Or maybe you wanted it so badly that you went and got it and then had to pay for it later because of your wrong choices. Have you ever wanted or even prayed about things and you didn't get them but were later thankful that God didn't answer your prayer like you wanted him to? That you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty. you look back and go, thank you God that you didn't give it to me the way that I wanted because you had other things better for me instead. Have you ever figured out that God sometimes answers us with a no? This may be a shock to some of you, I know that, but uh, no is actually a word, and it's an answer. It really is. James wrote a little bit about this in James 4, 1 through 3, and he said, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and you covet. 
You cannot have what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight and you don't have because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You know what? Sometimes God will, yes, the answer is no, but we can still push and push and push. And we can make it happen because that's what we want and we're going to get it no matter what and we're going to kill and we're going to covet until we get it. And he goes, God backs off at times. Okay. You can have it if you want it so badly, but I'm not in that. And I can't bless that situation. Can anybody here relate? If we're honest with ourselves, we haven't always been as loving as we should. (laughs) But we love, but we have jealousy, we have envy of other people and their stuff or their achievements. Love is not jealous. When someone succeeds, when someone is blessed, when someone is rejoicing, we do honestly rejoice with them, as Romans 12 says. Love is not jealous, but it celebrates over them, rejoices over them in their successes and their achievements. Secondly, how does love act? Love does not boast. Talked about that. Love does not boast or Another way of looking at love does not brag. Why would this be a characteristic of love? Love is other-centered. It's not selfish. And bragging or boasting is selfishness. Again, it's just another way of saying love is not these things. It is, bragging is self-promotion. It is, look at me, look at me, look at me. Braggadocious. It is self-glorification. It is exalting oneself. It is a one-upmanship over you. Yeah, I'm better than you are. It's funny how some situations, you know, I, I have to look at it. If you ever are in a group setting and, and you know, forgive me. I know this is not always uh, male, female. But, you know, in times that I've seen where women have got together and say, hey, I got in a, I got in a um, car crash. My, I hit. I was hit by my, a car today, and all the women will say, oh, I'm so sorry, what happened? Are you okay? And if a guy gets in a car wreck and he tells other guys in the group, they're going to go, you know, say, oh, oh, I was hit by a car today, and they go, oh, wow, you know, are you okay? They might ask that question, but then they go, oh, look what, you don't want to hear a story. I'll tell you what is, you know, I got in a bigger wreck than you, and you never want to get in a conversation with a bunch of guys and show them your scars, don't ever show them your scars because they're going to go, oh, yeah, you know, and pull out, the, lift up their shirt. Did you see this one? You know, it's like, it's, you know, I don't know if it's always one-upmanship. But I think it kind of is, actually. You know, just like, <laughs> it is kind of like, you know, hey, look at my situation. And, or fish stories, you know. Fish stories, that's another one. One-upmanship. Bragging is always about myself when it should be I'm interested in you you know I'm interested in your stuff I like going to some people's houses you know and I I could see I could see their monster elk on the on the wall yeah that's a good one Um, I don't want to show you my elk because I got a cow 
you know. But that's a good one. That's a, or their pictures or their plaques on the wall, you know, their degrees and stuff. And those are cool. I like it. Um, and so, you know, at one time in my life, you know, those things may have meant something to me. You know, you know, back when I was a kid, I didn't. There were, were not the uh, honorary trophies. You know, for everyone gets a everyone gets a trophy. Everyone wins. You know, it was back when I was in sports. You know, the MVP is the only one who got the trophy. You don't have to feel sorry for me. I'm not. Don't don't do that or nothing like that. But you know, I was never that one that got the trophy at the end of the year. But I did. I did say this. In seventh grade, I won the geography test. Yes, in seventh grade, I memorized all of the globe. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what happened to that piece of paper I got, but it's, it should be in my office somewhere, at least. But, uh, yeah, I never got a trophy. But, uh, hey, that was my achievement. Um, it's always thinking of someone else, just being cheerful of their successes. And I believe God wants us to cheer on others, to bless them, and to be so impressed by their, their achievements. And I love to hear their stories, too. Yeah, that elk, I climbed a mountain to get that. You know, and I'm like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? It's like beef is in the store is way cheaper than that. Um, but... I want to raise up people. I want to celebrate them. I want especially younger people and young leaders, even if they make mistakes. And sometimes because we're so afraid for people to fail, we won't ever let them make a mistake. And we have these high expectations before they've even met just the small expectations. And that's where we as a church, especially the church, should love people enough to let them try to celebrate them and believe in young leaders and believe in people because you know what? They need to try. And we need to go, good job. Good job. Keep it up. We believe in you and we hope that you'll continue on and not give up. You know what? There's been times I preached a lemon. I preached a bad lemon, you know, a rotten lemon. And, and they're just like, you know, thank God that people, I didn't give up on, you know, things like that because, you know what, you got to keep trying. You got to do stuff. Don't give up even when you mess up. Believers should be the best examples of this kind of love. And when my other pastor friends or leaders in their churches grow and succeed or coworkers, you know, get promoted, that is awesome. Keep it up. Go for it. It really is being more kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded more than yourself, more than self-exaltation. It's not me over you, it is us. Doing life together for God's kingdom and blessing others. And I also wholeheartedly believe that God sees how we steward what he has given to us right now in the present. We use the gifts, we use the talents that he's given us Right now, not just when I finally arrive or I get what I wanted. I hope that, you know, I can get there so I can finally start doing this for God. He blesses us to be a blessing. He will bless you and bring that increase. And those increases may not always be dollar for dollar or 
a huge amount of prosperity in the world's eyes. But God will reward you for how you give, how you bless others, how you use your time and use your talents and treasures. And he reminds us in Luke 16, verse 10, that he who is faithful in the little things will be entrusted with much. It always starts in that trusting with what you have right now and that little bit, you may say, that God uses that. You give what you're given and then he will promote you and he will trust you with more or greater things. Let me admit, I have not always been so noble. I have caught myself on many occasions, you know, you might say, dropping little comments into conversations or that are really just thinly veiled bragging or self-promotion. Um, hey, oh, hey, you want to talk about achievements? Let me show you what I've done. Um, do you ever just slip up and brag about yourself to someone? <laughs> you know, hey, you know, I did this. If love doesn't boast or brag, what does it do? Instead of self-promotion, it promotes others instead. Instead of saying, let me show you how great I am, love says, tell me about you. Tell me about what you have done and what you've accomplished. I'd love to hear your story about that. It's being truly interested or even more, love says, tell me about how some God, things that God's done in your life. Tell me some great things God's used you in. Love is building up others more than puffing up yourself. In 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, love builds up. You know, that's, that's a, a good reminder. Love is building up others. It, it doesn't mean that you can't ever tell someone about your achievements or stuff. I'm not saying that. It's just the way you do it. It's like sharing pictures of your grandkids you know getting out the grandkids and you know it just kind of unfolds and all of the pictures or or that's the old way now it's your phone now it's your phone you just keep flipping through the pictures and showing everybody uh and and this i do believe that uh your grandkids might be cute but mine are cuter so <laughs> i mean that my kids have given me the coffee cup that says, you're the world's greatest papa. You know, I, I'm sorry, guys. I just, I can't help it. I can't help it. Um, but love does not brag about itself. I'm just stating a fact, okay? Just stating a fact. It's interested in others. Then another characteristic is love is not something, again, love is not proud. Um, how does love act? True love is not prideful. Love is not proud for the same reason it doesn't boast. Love is other-centered more than that self-promotion. Um, when you spell the word pride, what is in the very center of pride? I, right? When we're proud, we are self-centered. It's all about me. Uh, when you spell the word love, you know, nowadays, if you spell text love. How do you do that? You don't always spell it correctly, L-O-V-E. Uh, people might put a heart. But another way some people might do it, L-U-V. What is in the center of L-U-V? You. It's you-centered, right? Um, we're truly loving others. 
We're focused on you, not just me. Uh, the word proud comes from the Greek word fusio. A fusio is a bellows, or, you know, if you see the old pictures of these things where you fan the flame and you just kind of do this, it's, it's a, um, a puffing up, in other words. It is a, um, it puffs air. To, uh, to mean pride means to, that self-importance, to be proud is to have that inflated sense of your own importance or arrogance. Uh, love is not arrogant. Arrogance refers to pride as something deep within uh, the inner man. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, if that's all that comes out of your mouth, it's just me, 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 me. Um, you might have a little fusio in your life. When you love with true love, you're not consumed with just yourself. Um, you're focused on the one you love. When we surrender ourselves to God's love, he not only takes our fears and changes us from within, uh, he changes us from being just selfish people, only thinking of ourselves, into people of humility instead of pride. Surrendered love to God, when I surrender to his love, he changes me and he starts making me more others-focused. What thought is up uttermost in your mind? Usually it's what I want. It's the magnitude of me. It's whatever I desire, whatever I'm thinking about. And if it's, you know, this is where, God, I wake up and this is how I feel. I feel tired. I feel like doing nothing. I feel like, you know, eating. I feel like, you know, what do I want to do today? It's always about me focused. And so in order to change that and, and to be more godly minded, God, what can I do for others today? It can be a, a rebooting of ourself and say, God, help me to not just think about my own desires, but something else. Um, if we are brutally honest, that's exactly what is the utmost in our minds most of the time, by nature, we all look out for number one. What do I want? True love is not proud because it's others-centered. Love is not proud. Love is not proud for the same reason it does not boast. It's other-centered rather than self-centered. Luke chapter 18, verse 14 says, For any, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, as I humble myself, and it's rather to, better to be humbled yourself than to be humiliated. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. When I think about pride, you can think about different characters in the Bible. One, namely, King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the biggest king of his day, in Babylon. Um, he was an extreme example of pride and arrogance, and he began to think of himself as a god. While most of us don't go that far, at least overtly, pride twists our self-perception, and we think more highly than we ought. But God can and will humble anyone, and that's exactly what happened to him. 
as we read in Daniel, if you want to read in Daniel, read that whole story. But in, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, it says, And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, after the fact, as God humbled him, praise and honor and glorify the king of heaven. Everything he does is right and just, and he can humble anyone who acts proudly. You see, he wasn't that humble person before. But this was part of the testimony that King Nebuchadnezzar said after he lost his mind for seven years. It was prophesied over him. It was spoken that he would be, lose his mind for seven years and he would eat grass uh, like a cow. And the king was incredibly powerful, very, uh, very incredible. And, and so he went out and he said, oh, look how the beauty of Babylon is. It's all about me. I did this. And God humbled him. Um, the king was wrapped up in himself, and it's easy to do, especially if you're successful like that. And all throughout the Bible, God warns against pride. C.S. Lewis once uh, considered pride as the greatest sin and essential vice and the utmost evil. He also wrote that pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Um, perhaps this is why Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. He said, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives favor or grace to the humble. Um, God opposes the proud. It's a military word that is used of organizing an army to fight an opponent. And imagine God's arraying his forces, if you will, and declaring war on you. God opposes the proud. He's at war against the proud. As a loving father also has to correct us at times, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, he says, have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not uh, lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as a son. You know, God sometimes has to discipline us because of our, our wrong choices, just as a loving father would have to do, he says, you know what? Some of you just need a heavenly swat. <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar experienced a little bit of that. And God can humble anyone who acts proudly. Better to humble yourself under God's mighty hand that, so that he may lift you up in due time. That, that became a great uh, life verse for me years ago. Pride is toxic, but when, when you love with a true love from God, you are not consumed with yourself, but you are other people focused, and you're focused on the one you love, and true love is not proud. So how do we avoid the temptation of pride? We can accept the fact that you're never going to fully avoid instances of pride in your life. That's one. You know, there's going to be days where it's just going to be about me, and I think about that. But that's part of, I know that's my flesh. I know that's my flesh, and that's what natural to us. But that's not where we need to live in that. 
The other part is the next uh, is that each time we need to repent of re- our pride and get our hearts right with God, we become better and better at avoiding it or turning from that that selfish thinking. True love is not proud because it's getting that focus on God. And God's word is also a great solution to our struggle with pride. That's why, again, God reminds me over and over and over just to humble myself under your mighty hand that you may be the one to lift me up in due time. The wonderful news is that God gives us grace to humble ourselves under his mighty hand. He does that. And the next Bible character I want you to look at is Moses. He demonstrated and was known for as a humble man. Um, he demonstrated that humility as we all should. Instead of pride, he surrendered. And surrendered love is, is not pride, but it's surrendered love is humility. And the Bible says a lot about humility. Humility is defined as thinking of yourself in sober judgment. And this, you can say in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Paul writes, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And when you think of yourself with sober judgment, what is that? You see yourself as you really are, you see the good, but you also see the, the bad, the, the, the selfish parts of us. You understand that your abilities and gifts, you see those things and you thank God that he's given you those. As he's raised you up in due time, he's given you those things. And you thank God for them. Thank God that you've, you've given me these things. You've blessed me in different ways. Um, and God usually will bless us so, again, that we bless others. Not just for, oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's so that, you know, and I meet people throughout the years. I meet people, sometimes the poorest of the poor, that give everything. And I've met people that have everything worldly, riches and everything, and they give nothing. Did you see the latest thing I got? The boat and the the yacht and stuff. I'm like, I'm going... And, and it grieves me. I'm like, this may be the only heaven that they only have is here on earth. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? When we think of ourselves in sober judgment, I'm, and God, thank you for blessing me so that I can be even a, a better giver for your kingdom. One day I'm going to rest One day I'm going to enter into heaven and I'm going to enjoy the wealth and the riches of God's kingdom forever and ever. But you know what? I don't even care so much about stuff on this world because I have to fix it later. (laughs) Um, I'm confident God gives me gifts and abilities uh, and I'm careful because I can be proud and selfish, and I'm a, I'm a capable of, of self-delusion. So I love myself, but I'm also guarded to keep myself in check about it, those things. Humility is being comfortable with who you are, the good and the bad. Um, how do we cultivate humility? Um, another quote from C.S. Lewis says, 
from Mere Christianity, if you've ever read that book. The first step is to realize that one is proud, and biggish step two. At least nothing, whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. Humility starts with an awareness that you're proud, and it starts with that confession. I confess, Lord, I am prideful. I confess I think about me way too much. As C.S. Lewis said, the first step is becoming humble, is realizing that you are and owning up to it, and just like, God, I know that I can be about me. But it's not stopping with that, going, yeah, Lord, I'm I'm selfish pig. Um, It's saying, God, I confess that. Forgive me for thinking of only myself. Confession is a very good thing for the soul, and yet for many, it's a lost practice. And we rarely take time to reflect upon our behavior or to confess our sins to God. Yet it is one of the surest cures for pride. I would encourage you at least once this week (laughs) to take a few minutes to sit down and reflect and to confess some of your pride. God gives us grace. He gives grace to the humble. And so humble yourself before God and confess your sins and receive his grace. Confess it to God, to yourself, and to someone you trust. We've been talking about that in Celebrate Recovery for several months now that very lesson of confessing to God first, to yourself because your own ears need to hear you say it, and then to someone else to hear it from you. And you really want to amp up the power of confession, develop, confess it to that other person. James 5 reminds us of that. 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for one another, that you may be healed. And the moment you say it in verbal sense of to someone else, there's the healing power that comes with it because as long as I keep it between myself and God, no one else needs to know about it. And probably nothing will change either. But the moment I do say it in a confession to God, to myself, and to someone else, a brother or sister in the Lord, and they pray together with me, there's healing because now I have someone I've confessed it to and God can heal you of that. Confessing to another is that great antidote to pride and and a way to cultivate humility. And Moses was a humble man that acknowledged that. Turn with me to the, you know, if you you want to, well, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to look in Numbers chapter 12, you can read here that, Moses' brother and his sister Aaron uh, and Miriam, um, his sister, challenged Moses' leadership. And they're going, how come Moses gets all the credit and we don't get anything? How come they look, he looks good and we don't look good at all? You know, aren't we leaders too? And, and they were exalting themselves, trying to look good. Um, and Aaron began to speak against Moses uh, because he had married a Cushite woman. And so the Lord had spoken through, you know, the Lord had said, has, has, you know, he's saying, has God only spoken to Moses only? That's what Aaron was saying. And they asked him, has he not spoken to us too? And the Lord heard this. The Lord heard their jealousy and their, their selfish comments. 
And uh, they wanted to know that they were, and so Miriam and Aaron wanted some of the spotlight for themselves and not for Moses. But Numbers 12, verse 3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. And God punished Aaron and Miriam for that. He punished them for that. And Moses had to pray, God, please, please forgive them. God said to Moses, as a very, was a humble man, more than anyone. And that word for humble is often used uh, of poor people in the Old Testament. Uh, people who were totally dependent. And that's how God, Moses presented himself to God. I am completely, 100%, totally dependent on you. He didn't flaunt himself in this position. He didn't advertise his greatness. He simply did what God told him to do. In fact, Moses didn't even want the position that God called him to at that point in time uh, after he had spent 40 years in the wilderness. See, he was raised, obviously, in Pharaoh's household for the first 40 years of his life, and then he had to spend 40 years in the desert um, pretty much being humbled. And so, and then God called him in that place of humility in the wilderness to finally lead the people out of Israel where he spent the next 40 years in the wilderness <laughs> with the people that were disobedient. Um, you know, Moses even thought, you know, I can't even speak. I can't speak, and so God had to appoint his brother Aaron to come and speak for him, even though, you know, he doubted himself, he doubted his abilities that God could speak through him. And so he had Aaron do that, even according, if that wasn't according to his plan. Um, and that's what happened, because it was not according to God's plan that Aaron was going to be needed to be his mouthpiece. You are going to be my mouthpiece. And then when he doubted, God said, okay, I'll let Aaron do it. But that became sort of his downfall in that situation, too. Moses was humble, but he was not perfect, he lived a life of absolute dependence on God without flaunting his achievements. And that's what we must do. We must, uh, if we want to be truly raised up, great for God's kingdom, don't tell people how great you are. Just serve. Just do what you know God wants you to do. Be humble with that. Living your life in absolute dependence on God. Remembering today in these lessons of 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 love. Love always puts others first and remember that we love because he first loved us. Let's just close with that. Today, Lord God, we just thank you again for powerful reminders of the thing that most of us have struggled with in, in jealousy and in envy and pride. And Lord, I just want to recognize my need for you, my dependence on you is to come before you today, is to admit I am selfish. Admit that I am a sinner. I recognize that it's not everybody else's fault. I'm not going to blame other people for my problems. I'm gonna take ownership for where I have sinned. And I have sinned in probably jealousy. I've sinned in anger. I've sinned in pride. And Lord, today is a moment that we can make that confession between you and ourselves. But also, Lord, may it be that we, if you prompt us, or you show us in ways that we need to go to someone else, we may be obedient to do that as well. 
to confess, Lord, so that we may be humbled before you and that you may give us then the grace. And so, Lord, may it be that we show love and other-centered that we would uh, take delight in their achievements more than ourselves. And when we, Lord, are faithful with even the little things and when we humble ourselves, you do raise us up in due time. You bless us with more. And Lord, and it's, but it's always in the right perspective when you bless us. You bless us so that we can continue to live a life of even greater blessing of other people. And I just pray, God, that we may see that and know that today. To be changed by your love. And if anyone here today is just not sure where they stand with you, today's a moment or even those that may be watching online right now, today is a day of salvation that I call upon the name of Jesus. And the moment I humble myself, admit I am a sinner, call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Lord, thank you that I cannot never save myself. It is only by your love and your grace that you died and shed your blood on the cross for me that I may know you. And we just thank you for the gift of life, the gift of salvation today, and the gift, most of all, of your love, that we may know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.